The last two weeks, we have looked at the questions, Does God exist? And did He create our universe? In today's lesson, Denny Petrillo looks at the Bible's claim of being divinely inspired. Can we know the Bible is truly inspired by God? How did this inspiration happen? Join Dr. Petrillo as he takes a look at the concept of inspiration, the evidences for the Bible's inspiration, and the process by which God used human men to write His divine words. The Bible. Is there any book in the history of mankind that has endured more evaluation, more criticism, or more rejection? Our world today is a skeptical one. People find it difficult to believe in things. The Bible is no exception. Recent studies have indicated that fewer people believe in the Bible. As a matter of fact, most admit they've never even read it. Even fewer understand the origins of the Bible. In addition, various national publications continue to discuss the Bible, frequently revealing questions people have about the Bible and doubts about its trustworthiness. For example, one particular article entitled, Who Wrote the Bible? made the following statement. It is the foundation of the Christian faith. On its words rest the very existence of the church and the hope of salvation for believers through the ages. Many consider it the only dependable and abiding revelation of God to humanity. Yet the New Testament, in many ways, is a mysterious and enigmatic collection of writings, one that has enthralled and perplexed scholars and theologians for nearly 2,000 years. It is often called the testament of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But Jesus didn't write a word of it. And while some of the writings bear the names of those who walked with Him on the dusty roads of Judea, centuries of scholarship have turned up little convincing evidence that His twelve closest disciples did much writing either. Who then wrote the 27 books that make up the traditional New Testament canon? Could these books have been written by contemporaries of Jesus? Are they close to their original form? Or were they revised by early church leaders to reflect changing views of who Jesus was, to address the problems of a growing church, or even to advance political agendas? As we can see, articles like this raise many questions and create many doubts in the minds of the readers. Is the Bible trustworthy? It's important that we have good information before we can make a valid decision regarding the Bible. So how did the Bible come down to us? This is an important question. And the answer is even more important. The journey of the Bible begins with the mind of God Himself. God then placed His Word into the mind of His prophets. Those prophets wrote down the things that God revealed to them. Then, through the centuries, men copied and recopied what those original prophets had written. Eventually, as the world population grew, the Bible needed to be translated into the languages 
of the many cultures that exist today. As you can see, the Bible has gone through an incredible journey. In this series, we're going to look more deeply into that journey. And to adequately discuss how we got the Bible, we must discuss four important subjects. Those four subjects will be discussed individually in this series. First, there must be a discussion on the inspiration of the Bible. Inspiration is a concept that is frequently misunderstood and misapplied. What then does it mean to say that the Bible is inspired? That's the question that we will address in just a few short minutes. Second, to discuss how we got the Bible, we need to consider what is known as the canon of Scripture. The Bible has a total of 66 books. There are 39 books in the Old Testament and 27 books in the New Testament. How did those books become a part of the Bible? Who decided that they should be in the Bible? And when did they decide this? As you can see, those are important questions. These will be considered in the second part. Then we will discuss the transmission of the Bible text. Did you know that we do not have any original writings of the Bible? That is what men like Moses and David and Matthew and Paul wrote. Their writings are no longer in existence. Instead, we have copies of those original writings. How can we know that those writings were accurately preserved through the centuries of copying and recopying? Well, that's the question that we will consider when we discuss the transmission of the Bible text. And then we will discuss the English Bible. You know, the Bible was originally written in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Therefore, someone had to know those languages well enough to translate them into English. Can we trust that they did a good job of translating? What about the numerous English translations? Are, are they all about the same? Does it matter which translation I use? Well, those questions will be considered when we talk about the English Bible. So let's begin our journey by considering biblical claims for inspiration. Any discussion regarding the Bible would need to begin with a discussion of inspiration. We're not going to focus on evidences for inspiration, although there are many. Historical, archaeological, scientific, medical, or all areas that provide evidence for inspiration. But we're going to look at what the Bible claims for itself. The origin of the Bible begins by discussing what God did in revealing Himself and revealing His will to mankind. This process involved two actions of God, revelation and inspiration. Revelation is as it sounds. It is where God revealed to man things that He would not otherwise know or understand. There's no way that mankind could have figured these things out on their own. God needed to reveal Himself needed to reveal His character and His will. Man would never know these great truths about the nature and character of God without 
God's revelation. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came from the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Notice how Peter says that the prophets did not make up these things in their own minds. They were not their private interpretations. He also says that these prophecies did not come by the will of man. God chose them to be His spokesman. It was not that they chose this for themselves. Instead, what they spoke is what God was giving to them through the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, the prophet is shown an amazing vision of God. There Ezekiel sees God sitting on His throne surrounded by these four living creatures. This is an example of a revelation. The vision teaches us about the nature of God and His many divine attributes. It demonstrates, for example, that God is what is known as omnipotent. That means He is all-powerful. It demonstrates that God is omniscient, that He knows everything. And it demonstrates that God is omnipresent. That means He is everywhere all at the same time. There is no way that man could have created such a God in his own mind and in his own imagination. That's the marvel of this idea of revelation. God is revealing things about Himself, His nature, and His attributes that man could never have come up with on his own. Inspiration is how God's revelations are communicated. This principle is seen in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, where God exerts a supernatural influence over the writer so that what was written was exactly what God intended. This is a remarkable claim. And one who studies the Bible needs to recognize the importance of this claim. The word that is in this middle section, there on the bottom right of the illustration, the word graphe, is a word that we get a number of English words from, such as graphics, graphic design, a stenographer, and so on. But what it means is very important. It means that which is written down. And it is a specialized word that refers to holy writing. Each book in the Bible is among the Scriptures because it was known to be that which was the Word of God. And the last word that is illustrated on the screen is the word for inspiration. It is a Greek word, theonistos. It's a compound word that literally means God breathed. Think about the import of this word. It's impossible for us to speak without breath. 
we draw air into our lungs and then our muscles force that air out through our mouths. This is how we make words. We've got to have the air. We've got to have the breath. Therefore, this verse is claiming that the scripture is God breathed. Not only that, but it is claiming that the very words come from God himself. Now let's put the whole verse together. The word scripture means that which is written down. The word inspired means that the scriptures came from God himself. They're God breathed. Here then is an amazing claim. This verse is saying that what we have in our Bibles is the very word of God. That is, even the words themselves are the very words chosen by God. This teaches us that every word is important because those are God's words. Those are the words that God Himself has chosen to give to us. Another important verse is Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. There it says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, He has in these last days spoken to us by His Son. This verse provides a lot of information, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. But the most important is the subject and the verb. God spoke. This is a remarkable claim. God has not been silent. Instead, He has communicated with man. This verse says that He has done this through the prophets at various times throughout the Old Testament history. He also communicated through various ways. Sometimes God would use a booming voice like He did at Mount Sinai. Or He might speak to Moses through a burning bush. God chose different ways to communicate to men. When considering the claim that God spoke, we need to consider the biblical claims to be the Word of God. The Old Testament canon is a logical place to begin. In the Old Testament, we see that it is logically divided into three sections. We have the law, the prophets, and the writings. You can see that the various books are divided into these uh, categories, and this division is supported by various verses, such as Luke 24, verses 44 and 45. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Now when we look at this, we can see that Jesus divided the Old Testament, and that last category that he calls Psalms is the writing category, and Psalms is the first book in that particular category. So as we go through these various sections, we can see clearly how they support the claim to be the Word of God. 
All right, so what we want to do is we want to look at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 that said God spoke. The Bible is a testimony to that fact, to that claim, to that truth that God has not remained silent, but that He has, in fact, spoken. So, as we look at the very first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis, and the very first chapter, we have the phrase, and God said, a remarkable ten times. So you don't even begin your study of the Bible without seeing that it is often claiming to be the Word of God. God says, let there be light. God says, let the waters be divided. So the power of God in His spoken Word is being demonstrated in the creation. And then as we go through the Bible, we'll see a passage like Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16 that it says, And the Lord God commanded the man. So God is communicating with His uh, creation. When Adam sinned, God spoke to him in Genesis 3, 10 and following. God spoke the curses against the serpent, against the woman, and against the man in Genesis 3, 14 through 19. In Genesis 6, we're even told about the thoughts of God. We can read what God said to men like Noah, Abraham, Jacob. Well, what about the next book, the book of Exodus? Well, in the book of Exodus, God spoke. He spoke to Moses from the burning bush. He addressed the Israelites from Mount Sinai with that booming voice as He gave them the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. Well, in the book of Leviticus, you have the phrase, I am the Lord, 45 times. The book of Numbers begins with the phrase, Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. The book of Deuteronomy has statements that are made by the Lord your God 279 times. At least 74 times there is a reference to the teachings being from the Lord. It's impossible to read the book of Deuteronomy without knowing that it claims to be recording the very words of God. As a matter of fact, it makes this claim again and again and again. So we're being inundated in those first five books with the very truth that God is the one who is speaking. God is communicating to man. Again, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 that says, God spoke to the fathers and the prophets, and He most certainly did. Scripture records the essential revelations of God at Mount Sinai when the Lord revealed His law and offered His covenant to Israel. Even the Ten Commandments are preceded by the words, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, Exodus 20 and verse 1. Exodus records how God wrote, how Moses wrote God's words down in a scroll and read it aloud to the people, Exodus 24, 3 through 7. The Pentateuch recounts God's continued revelations to Moses until he had finished writing all of it down in the holy book of the law, Exodus 33, 11 in Deuteronomy 31, 24 through 26. And then as we move to 
the next section of the Old Testament. We had the law and the prophets and the writings. We look at that second section, the prophets. We again have overwhelming claims that these writings are from God. In the prophetic books, you will have phrases like, Thus saith the Lord, that are found an astounding 2,500 times. And that doesn't even include passages like Jeremiah 1-2, The word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah. And Jeremiah 1 and verse 4, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Joel 1 and verse 1 says, The word of the Lord which came to Joel. Also, this doesn't include the heavenly visions that a number of prophets received, like Isaiah and Zechariah and Ezekiel. Here's an important point. You do not have to believe these literally thousands of claims that the Bible is from God. You have the right to reject that claim. But you do not have the right to deny that the Bible is making this claim. It is clearly and repeatedly claiming to be the Word of God. There are also other passages that may use different phrases, but all of them clearly indicate that God was speaking to these prophets. Men like David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all received revelations from God. Men like Moses, Joshua, Samuel, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, and Ezekiel were universally recognized as prophets, seers, visionaries, and divinely chosen men of God, like in 1 Samuel 3 and verse 20 and chapter 9 and verse 9, and so on. All right, let's illustrate this for just a minute. If we have the phrase, and God said, in Hebrew, the phrase is, ko amar Adonai, and God said. And that particular phrase occurs several thousand times in the Old Testament. If you have your Old Testament right there, take a look at the very last page of the Old Testament book of Malachi, chapter 4. Now, in this particular Bible, it says that this is page 800. Well, what does your Bible say is the last page of your Old Testament? I know I've seen Bibles that go from page 700 all the way to page 1500, maybe even 1600. That means that on average, the phrase, thus says the Lord, or an equivalent phrase, occurs one time per page, two times per page. In some Bibles, on average, three times per page, the claim is being made that this is coming from God. Again, you don't have to accept that claim, but it is very clear that the Bible is often making the claim to not be the words of man, but to be the very words of God. You know, indeed, God's revelations came at various times and in various ways to the prophets. Again, looking at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. We have seen so far the various ways, like God speaking from a burning bush, Exodus 3, 1. 
God speaking from a mountaintop, Exodus 24. Maybe by hand writing on the wall in Daniel chapter 5. He spoke through dreams and visions in Isaiah 6, 1 and Daniel chapter 7 through 12 and Ezekiel 1. So he did use many different ways of communicating. But the point that we're making is that God was not silent, that he did speak. What about the third category that is known as the writings or the Psalms? Scripture claims that even the prophetic portions of the Bible were given to prophets by divine revelation. David the psalmist said, The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and His word was upon my tongue. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 1 and 2. Referring to Psalm 2, the apostles said, Who by the Holy Spirit, through your mouth of our father David, your servant said, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 25. Solomon received special divine wisdom from God and was thus able to write most of the wisdom found in the books like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. In the book of 1 Kings chapter 3 verses 9 through 15 and following and in chapter 4 verses 29 through 34, we're able to see how God was the one that gave Solomon the wisdom that he had. And then he used that wisdom in writing books like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. What about men like Asaph who wrote 12 Psalms? Well, Jesus called him a prophet in Matthew 13 and verse 35. Speaking of Jesus, Jesus made a very astounding statement. He said, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Matthew 5 and verse 18. The smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet is the letter Yod. It's about the size of a comma that we would write when writing in English. <clears throat> the smallest stroke of a letter is like the little extension found on the Hebrew letter Tav, just a little foot-like extension. All right, consider the magnitude of this verse. It takes pen strokes to make letters, letters to make words, words to make sentences, sentences to make paragraphs and paragraphs to make books. This verse cannot be understood any other way than to indicate that every word in the Bible is inspired of God. Even the various pen strokes that make up the words come from God. God's word cannot pass away until it accomplishes all that it predicted. If we view the Hebrew Scriptures as anything less than the very words of God, then we view them differently than did Jesus and the apostles. Jesus accepted as fact the account that took place in the garden with Adam and Eve. Jesus accepted as fact the account about Noah and the great flood, the Tower of Babel, Jonah and the great fish, Jesus is the one who accepted 
the various teachings that were found in the Old Testament. If you believe in God, then it's natural to believe that God has spoken. But how? Is it possible that the Bible is how He has spoken? The Hebrew writer also says that God has spoken to us by His Son. When we speak of the inspiration of the New Testament, we must begin with Jesus. Now, you recall that article that I read a portion of that said that it's called the, the New Testament of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but Jesus didn't write a word of it. Well, that's true. Then where does the New Testament come from and how can it claim to be inspired? John the Baptist said of Jesus, He whom God sent speaks the words of God. John 3, verse 34. Jesus claimed to be speaking the words of God. John 6, verse 63, John 12, and verse 49. He told the Jews, My teaching is not mine, but His who sent me. Yet it's true that Jesus didn't write a single word in all the New Testament. So what is the link between God to Jesus to our New Testaments? The key to this is found in the teachings about the inspiration of the apostles. And that's what we'll address in the next section.